Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos, and today we have another question that's come in. Love doing my Q&As. Gives me a little bit of direction, so I don't have to come up with the whole topic myself. But today, the question that I'll be answering comes from Nicolette over Instagram. The handle is SirBuddyTeamCarrera. I will briefly read through the message she sent through, and then we'll go through answering some of her questions and maybe give a bit of a remedy or at least a bit of guidance on how to address this issue. So she goes, hey, Panos, love the podcast and your advice on training. Not sure if you answer any questions online, but I'd be happy to pay if you don't. Well, I'm going to give you as much as I can. And if you don't have to pay me and you can learn from this, then I'll be happy. Otherwise, if you want a little bit more in detail, in-depth advice specific to you, then of course, we can arrange like a Zoom because I do know that Nicolette is from Buffalo in the United States. So, she has a 15-month-old intact male long-haired German Shepherd, good with most dogs, but she takes him to group training and all he wants to do is play with other dogs. He will not listen to me and disrupts the class. I also take him doggy daycare two times a week, wondering if that's creating bad behaviors or if it's a good idea. Any help would greatly be appreciated if you can address this on your podcast. So, I did message back and basically I said to her like, oh, I probably probably wouldn't be going to doggy daycare while he's overexcited with other dogs. If the issue is that you want to teach him to be calmer in other dogs, we shouldn't be reinforcing that, reinforcing to Buddy that other dogs are more valuable than they need to be. If he's social already and he knows how to be with dogs, there's no anxiety, fear, aggression issues, and he's a happy-go-lucky dog and wants to play with him, that's great. Now, we've. it seems like we may have over-socialized him, made too much of an emphasis of playing with other dogs, that now, while he's in the presence of other dogs, he doesn't even know what to do with himself, and he gets overexcited. So, in the group class, I said to her, let's see what I said to her. Great question. I address this in the Q&A. No more doggy daycare. Give a break for a month or two to see basically, is it that the doggy daycare is creating this issue or at least is it influencing the behavior in the wrong way? Then a month or two of a break from doggy daycare may not be the worst idea. Then that way you can actually assess, is that a contributing factor to the behavior? And are you getting helped by the trainer in the class? I think is like the most important question. We're going to talk about how I would run, how I run group classes. We just did a group class yesterday. So I'll tell you how I've been currently running it. And of course, how it changes over time and also how it's changed from what it used to be. And I haven't run group classes for like nine years of doing one-on-ones because for a few different reasons, we won't get into the details, I guess, but all in short, it was that I wasn't, maybe interested or that I felt maybe it was going to be too overwhelming and and that I wasn't ready to kind of deal with that sort of environmental situation. But now I've got a a way that I deal with the programs and my one-on-one training and how I use the group class to kind of reinforce 
the training from the owners. So, like, you know, you being there with other people kind of helps you, motivate you to continue training, seeing other people and how we address their, their behaviours. But the point is, is that we want a place where we can have dogs to see the reactive behaviour, whether it's frustration, overexcitement, fear or, um, or aggression. We want to be able to mitigate, manage the dogs as much as we can, along with helping them be social in these sort of environments. So having a bunch of dogs there, and my job as a trainer is to come, if you're struggling, I'm going to give you some advice on what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And in that moment, if I have to take the dog and then show you what to do, set the dog up, the point of the class is to be addressing these behaviors. And it seems like in this situation, it's that it's a behavior. It's a behavior that happens and it's almost like, oh, that's disruptive to the class. And I would say, but yeah, isn't that the point of going to group class is to work on those behaviors? Now, it depends. I don't know what's happening. Obviously, I haven't seen the dog. I haven't had any video footage, so I don't really know anything. So, I'm just going off what's been said here. And if it's a dog that's overexcited and he's and he needs to learn some boundaries, then you and your trainer need to create that for your dog. And basically, every single dog that comes to our group class is a reactive dog with the current group class that I'm running. So we're like almost invite those behaviors. If the behavior is too much, then I would then advise giving some sort of one-on-one private class to address the situation and then, and then using the group class to pressure test it and to continue working through your training technique and developing everything that you want from your dog. So I continue to say in this message, you're hard to answer without more information, but the point of group classes to work through these, if you're not getting the right help, consider maybe a new training group. And then I asked her where she's located, told me that she's from Buffalo, New York. And the city where Buffalo builds and major snow storms. You raised a good point. I should be getting help from the trainer. His only advice was for me to walk him away from the group, which really doesn't help because I always have to bring him back for sure. And he did suggest an e-collar. I don't agree with, I, I don't agree for punishment. I do use one, an e-collar, to teach recall, but on a low level, just to get Buddy's attention. And then I went into a bit of a um, conversation with her, basically what we're going to talk about now. So, I don't think the the answer is the e-collar. Like, if you have a leash on your dog, so just so you know, in in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, we're not allowed by law to use e-collars, so I don't use an e-collar for my training. So... It wouldn't even be an option for me anyway because I don't use it. So what I would what I would do and what I do do is yes, make a bit of space, but not to run away from the class so that you don't get any contact. You want to find your dog's critical distance, the distance that he's comfortable from another dog, where he can focus on you. If you get any closer outside of that critical distance, closer towards a dog, then that's when your dog starts to f- hyper focus on other dogs and check out from you and not take anything that you have. So you know that you got to work within your critical distance and the point of your group class would be to slowly make that critical distance smaller and smaller and smaller so that we can be able to be within one or two meters of another dog and your dog is obedient, loose leash and not acting like a clown trying to get every other dog's attention. So using space is important, but don't run away. Now, if you feel like you you have to fully go away, like away from all the dogs, then I would say you're not ready for group class. Let's do more private one-on-one training, work on what we need to do, and then come back to group class to pick up where we where we were and to advance through, to reach your goals, the goals 
are unique to you, you need to be clear about what you want from your dog. Everyone knows um, or it would be an assumption that I want my dog to be calm and to not focus on other dogs and to check in on me, follow all the basic commands, loose leash walking, and, of course, any other new commands that you can teach in that environment start to show that your dog's not so over-threshold, um, over overexcited, and he can f- have enough impulse control where he can work with you in that sort of environment. I did recommend that she reaches out to Josh Moran. I know that he's in Buffalo as well. Actually, in fact, he's going to be the next next guest on the podcast, ready to, um, like we've already teed up a time, so the next episode will be with him, hopefully, um, if everything goes well. So that's very exciting, and I've known Josh for a long time, and I know that he's from the area, so I know he'll be able to help. In regards to when she says, I use the e-collar, to get her attent to get Buddy's attention that for a recall, I would say, well then why not use that technique that you know that works? Use a negative reinforcement, a bit of pressure. And I would say in this case, not so much on the e-collar, because again, I'm not going to give advice on something I don't know how to use. But with the leash, you apply some pressure, your dog looks at you, you can roll it. Like you're gonna use those techniques, utilize the dogs that are there to pressure test and to continue conditioning your dog to teach him what you want him to do. And when we say you you don't agree for punishment, I'm not sure if you mean I don't agree for punishment on the e-collar or that you don't agree with punishment full stop, but that probably is the problem. The problem is that you're not clearly, if, if again, again, I'm assuming you're not that keen to give him punishment. And I think because we're trying to avoid giving that punishment, you're not being clear at all to your dog. Dog doesn't know what the boundary is. So what would that look like? For example, we rock up to group class. As we walk in, dog perks up, sees the other dog. I'm like, all right, cool. We're, we're, you can manage a critical distance in that moment. Can you get your dog to focus on you? Can you get him to simply look at you? Can you get him to hold a sit or a down stay? Can you walk around around that critical distance space and have your dog focus on you while you change directions and things like that? If you can, that's great. Then that's number one thing. Number two thing is, your dog will break position from time to time. Yes, use a little bit of negative reinforcement, pressure on the leash to put your dog back into a position, release the pressure, and then depending on where your dog's at, marking and rewarding or releasing your dog when you're ready. So you've got to have some sort of plan of what, how you're going to address the session. Don't rock up, let your dog go bananas, and then straight away where, all right, everyone, now get your dog under control. The way that we run the group class, especially from the beginning, so I do um, four-week blocks, first First class is a little bit more chaos, and as we go through the set through the classes each week, by the time session four comes around, the dogs know what to do. Everyone's feeling comfortable, and we have a bit of a challenge that we have that I want everybody to participate in. A one minute down, stay at a ten meter distance. Practice your recall, bed command in the middle. No food in an area where we can lock the dogs behind them behind the basketball court. The dogs are all going to be on the other side of the fence line, so there's lots of distractions, and we want the dog to participate. So that shows a level of control, training ability, and a, and a good sense of socialization. So that's why that's how I've kind of run the classes currently, and they, and they will change and evolve over time. But that's the point. The point is that we want to work on that. So what I'm trying to say here is you're making your dog do some cool stuff. That's great. But if I'm on the leash, your dog's holding a sit, dog walks past, and your dog goes, whoa, 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 come on, let's play. I think it's most appropriate and most effective if you were to issue a correction in that moment. Uh-uh. Give the pop on the leash. Again, with your trainer's help because, or if, again, if you've even been shown how to use a correction, I would correct that behavior. You should, have to, you should be able to tell buddy, 
You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to jump at another dog because it's dangerous, it's inappropriate, and it's not social behavior. And you should provide something that weakens the behavior and its frequency or and its likelihood for it to repeat for the future. That's what punishment is. So a short, sharp pop on the leash may be enough to be like, you're not allowed to do that. And you may be surprised, one or two corrections, and your dog's like, all right, cool, I'm just not going to do that. What do you want me to do? And that's when we can use our technique to go focus on me. Let's do this stuff. So you have a couple of ways of addressing this, but number one is what's your dog's relationship with other dogs? Is his relationship with other dogs over the top and all he wants to do is play, 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 play. And that socialization has become only about playing and not really about having a level of impulse control and to know when is it appropriate to play with a dog. And of course, we want to assess what's happening at doggy daycare. What's top? What's the style of play that they're, that they're allowing there? And also, how are we managing? How many dogs are there? Because when I worked at a doggy daycare, I had like 30 dogs in my area to look after. And I did not allow unruly behavior. I didn't allow out-of-control behavior. And I also ask for dogs' focus a lot of the time so I can keep the energy of the pack at a reasonable level where I can communicate and keep the dogs under threshold so they're not so crazy, causing injuries, causing dog fights, and then, of course, making dogs just addicted to playing with every other dog. So what I would do is just make the dogs do certain things. Like when you're around me and if you're jumping another dog and the dog's saying no, you have to come follow through and be like, you're not allowed to do that dog. I wouldn't time out him. I would issue some sort of feedback in the moment, exactly how dogs learn to live with each other. They don't always remove each other from situations. Actually, in fact, they kind of rarely do. They have to, you have to communicate within the moment. So if a, let's say Buddy's jumping on the back of a golden retriever, golden retriever is feeling un, unsure. You can tell by reading his body language and looking at his gestures, or if it's just plainly not acceptable because of the, of, of the behavior that's specifically happening, like dogs drinking water, another dog comes, jumps on his back, and then the other dog's, you know, showing that he's unsure and a little bit fearful or anxious, you should be able to go, hey, like, you need to learn that that's not a good behavior. So if your doggy daycare is not even following through and creating some good rituals and boundary setting, then your dog's rehearsing and performing all the behaviors you don't want so that when you're in a situation where you do want him to focus, you're not going to get it. So, and if, and as I said, not sure if you're not, willing to use punishment but if you're not willing to give that feedback then it can be very difficult to be able to communicate and if you're not giving any corrections i bet you're getting really frustrated and angry at the dog which then creates the thing that we're trying to avoid in the first place which is confusion and fear because when you get mad you get mad he's a big dog big strong dog and i'm assuming if he's doing a group class then he's probably doing it when you walk past dogs on the street so what we find is in group class, the dogs know where they are. They know what they're doing. So the dog's very calm. It's on the walks where the dog shows certain behaviors. And that's where we've got to either rectify that and identify who in the class is struggling with that. So we can try to set up situations so that somebody can apply the technique, leash handling, how to use food, distance, all of that good stuff how to apply that into the walk and not in the group class because the group class is a controlled setting. I can control what hap- what's happening. And, um, and yeah, you may need to reach out to a competent trainer who can either provide a good group class or coach you with having their own personal dogs around to be able to show how should you deal with your dog, what color should you use, what training technique, um, and that all comes down to the combination of, of dog and owner. 
So that's where a good dog trainer can, can be able to mitigate and give advice appropriate to your situation. And I think that's all I'm going to leave it at today. I could ramble on a lot more, but I think I've got the point clear. I think you need to consider all of those different things and see how does it apply apply to your situation in your group class? How does it apply to your relationship with your dog? And also, what what is it that you want him to do when you're around other dogs? And also, why are you going to group, um, doggy daycare? Is it because you feel bad, you have a small apartment, you need some place for him to go a couple of times a day and just get all the gas out? Or is it that You've been pressured into doing it because everyone else does it and such a it's such a common thing these days. And you're like, oh, it would be so much fun for my dog to play with other dogs. For me, I wouldn't. Even if I had really big long days, I would make sure that my dogs get their most fun stuff from me as much as I can. If I needed somebody to give some extra enrichment for their day, then somebody coming throughout the day and doing the doing the training, even if it's even if it's like a couple of dogs that a dog walker is going to walk with it, as long as that walker has control over the dogs and can influence the dogs in a positive way, then that could be another way to think about it. But maybe the doggy daycare is not the right place because, um, again, you may need to consider all of those factors. So. Speak to your trainer, speak to your new trainer that, that I've hooked you up with, speak to the current trainer and be like, well, and again, you may have rocked up to two classes and I may be speaking to the trainer tomorrow and the trainer's like, dude, she's come twice and, you know, we're going through the motions. So, it's not it's not that big of a deal. Or he could be like, yeah, you know, we have lots of dogs here in React. I can't give everybody attention and I only work with the easier dogs because it's easier and I just tell the difficult dogs to go away and make space. So, I think- and maybe your trainer's right in the middle there. So, it's really hard. I don't want to like shit on the trainer and say, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing what he's doing. When you did say to me, you've asked him and there was a good point. Like, I think it should be your trainer's first and foremost. If it's as bad as how I've read it out, then then he should be there to, to address it. And it sounds like your dog's just frustrated and is pushing boundaries and you're not able to be able to rein him in and tell him, hey, you need to act a certain way in this context. So, being assertive, being clear, and if it's punishment that you don't want to don't want to apply to your dog, like each to their own, I don't agree. I think effective use of punishment is probably the most humane thing you can do with a dog only because you're not setting them up for bad situations. You're You want to have the most successful and safe walk possible. If your dog's jumping at dogs and those dogs are fearful or insecure, they may bite back. Dog may slip out your hand. You may fall over, injure yourself. And also, your dog's looking at the wrong thing. I would say, no, no. If you're looking at me, if you're focusing on me and throughout the day, throughout the times that we interact together, we do the most fun stuff together. I want your dog to be like, yeah, there's a dog over there. I may be able to play if they give me the go ahead or if it's appropriate. But right now, I don't care for the dog. That's what you need to be focusing on. So, utilize the group classes to do that. Another thing I would I say to some people when they come and they're struggling is look, there's only been one client that I've sent in the group class. We've probably done like 25 group classes now or whatever in the last year or so, year and a half. There was only one client I said, look, when we had made the, because she was very hesitant to come to group class. So, I'm like, look, come, give it a go, whatever. Now, something happened, dog got out, um, she was, she let go of the lead, situation unfolded, dog was chasing other dogs and I had to subdue the dog. And I told him, like, look, because we discussed that 
if it didn't work out, we'll do private training until we can come back to group class. So I sent her away. Um, and we've been doing follow-ups, one-on-ones for the last couple of months and things are looking better and she'll be able to come to group class soon. But, um, but generally if a situation like that happens or if the dog's reacting, I'm like, no, no, you're not going to run away. You're just going to go up over there and you're going to work on it. And then throughout the four weeks of training, and if you want to come to more training, you can, we're going to make that critical distance smaller and smaller. And within like one or two sessions, dogs are integrating within the group. Yeah. I'm not saying that the dog's always calm and not trying to push any boundaries, but we facilitate that so we can communicate. No, nah, that's too far. Brain it back in. So that's so much nicer for your dog. Your dog feels like, oh my gosh, you told me what's up. So, um, to think about that, any questions, anyone that's got any questions related to this episode or any other unrelated questions, please send them in. Best way to do that is, um, DM us on Instagram. We'll get back to you as soon as we can and I'll do a Q and A so I can do my best to answer your question. Hope you're all having a great day or a great night. And until next time, have a great time and next walk with your dog. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, You can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna K9 Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.